Good evening and welcome to the 26th episode of the Sport Limerick Soccer Podcast where we're delighted to be joined again this evening by Noel and Jason O'Connor. And Noel, it's probably, we're all in good spirits, I suppose, at the moment at the, the prospect of the upcoming playoffs, which Treaty managed to reach last Friday evening after a one-all draw with Athlone. They managed to secure their place in the, the upcoming playoffs, which will take place in uh, three weeks' time or begin, should I say, in three weeks' time. Uh, a fantastic achievement, Noel, considering, you know, we definitely did not see this coming when you look at our discussions about the, the trial night out in LIT, like I mentioned to Tommy, where there was over 40 players at it, and, and you, you were trying to decide who, who would sign for the team and, and what type of play they'd have. So to, for, to see them get into the playoffs at the first attempt, we'll say, in their first season at, at this level, uh, was a great achievement for, for all involved. Look, a great night for the club and everyone belong, belongs to the club. And as you said, a kind of a miracle, in, uh, in fairness, from what we thought might have happened. And we, listen, we were hoping that they would well. You know, and we were delighted to see senior soccer back and we were delighted that the kind of calibre of people that, that had got involved with the club. But we also knew that, you know, it was a daunting enough task and I suppose a good start was important and they certainly uh, got themselves a good start and, and, you know, and they built it from there. But, you know, it was great to see it and particularly on Friday night that they actually got the point which made it mathematically a certainty because it would have been a bit disappointing I think if they did lose it, even though we already said that they were going to make it, whether or which, but there was a decent crowd there. There were a goal down, they got back and they got their point, which guaranteed the playoff place. There was a great atmosphere around the place. A lot of people that were very happy. And I think it augurs well for the playoff game at home. I think that there should be a really, really big crowd there and there should be a great um, atmosphere there and I just want to congratulate everybody involved with the club and I know a lot of people who are involved in the club at a lot of different levels and the work that they've done is has been nothing short of unbelievable. Yeah, definitely Noel and, and Noel, Jason, Noel mentioned the atmosphere. There was a great atmosphere. It was almost the case of, you know, it was like as good as promotion the other night. It felt like that with the team reaching uh, the playoffs. You know, there was a lot of uh, young kids mingling with the players afterwards. The players were in really good spirits. Obviously, the supporters were. And you're going into a playoff campaign where literally there, there's absolutely nothing to lose. But it was a brilliant achievement, wasn't it? Fantastic achievement, Adrian. You know, and you've all rightly said, important to get the point, even though we all felt before the game, even they were probably in the playoffs. But... Just to cement it, and especially in front of the home crowd, the, the fans have been there in waiting, I suppose, for, for the opportunity for, for something to celebrate. You know, over the past couple of seasons, it's been difficult for everyone involved and interested in senior soccer. So a really great occasion, really was. And to see, see the players go to the fans at the end, and, you know, fantastic. You know, you said it there. No one could have pictured this back in January or February. You know, we were kind of predicting seventh and eighth, and that was even being generous, we felt, you know. So it can't be understated, Adrian, the achievements. And and Tommy in particular, you know, he has his backroom staff and he has the players, but Noel would know this probably better than me. It's the manager that gets the flat when things go wrong. You know, and things have went wrong for Tommy in the past. We know that. And he took some criticism in, in past seasons. So I'm really, really delighted for him, Adrian. He deserves it. He's a real football man. And fantastic achievement. It really is unbelievable. Yeah, I suppose that is an important uh, point, Noel. Uh, Tommy came into the job at Limerick FC 
in poor enough circumstances, it must be said. And we probably knew some, you know, there was budgetary constraints when Neil McDonald left and then they replaced him with Tommy, who was a, an appointment from within the club at the time. But he had a tough uh, couple of seasons uh, with Limerick FC. So he would have been absolutely desperate to get this right. And he, ha he has so far anyway in the first season. Yeah, listen, there was an opportunity for him as well. You know, and they don't and 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 they don't come around that easy. And uh, you know, he certainly made sure that he was in the right position to take that opportunity. And you know, as I said already, he certainly has taken it. And you know, he's it has been a stable club, like you know, and that had and that can't be understated either, because Tommy wouldn't be the only the only manager in history that has been part of a, an unstable regime, which is more the norm in Limerick than I think the one at the moment is more of an exception than the norm. And it can be difficult enough, you know, to to work in in, in that kind of situation. And, and he certainly can say that this uh, was unstable. Like they put their cards on the table at the start. They said that this is what they were going to spend, and this was their plan, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And he knew that going in, and 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 he was happy to win that way. And that's probably one of the reasons why it has worked because there obviously is a lot of harmony in that club from from the top to the bottom, and that's so so important because. If you don't have that, it's very difficult to have any kind of any kind of success or any kind of um, stability in 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 a club. And treaties certainly have shown this year that if you have that kind of stability, regardless of budgetary constraints or whatever, um, you you do have a decent chance of being successful. Yeah, certainly it's the case. And on the game itself, I suppose, Jason, just to run over the rule over it for for a few uh, seconds, even. Uh, it was more of a, a game of a war of attrition for Treaty, I think, you know, like we've become to use in some, in some games this season. But I suppose I'm, I'm, I didn't necessarily agree with Tommy that Treaty had the better chances in the first half of that game. I think James Duna was a real uh, handful for Charlie Fleming. He had four or five shots himself that had to be saved by Ty Grine. He scored and obviously a few just went off target. Uh, Athlone would have been probably disappointed, to be fair, considering how long they held the lead for then as well, that they didn't close out the game. Uh, but, you know, uh, Kieran Hanlon was clever to win the penalty and, and got the draw for him. Yeah, definitely. I felt Adlone had a better the first half. Treaty started well. Joel Custrain had a chance early on, first couple of minutes. Bit of a skirmish in the box, but didn't create a whole pile, Adrian. And the shape was a little bit disjointed for me. It was a 4-2-3-1. Mark Walsh and Callum sitting with Stephen Christopher in front of them as, as the third midfielder. And I felt that the two wingers, Joel Custrain and McKean, kind of attacked a lot more than, than they normally would and tried to get forward and weren't as quick on the transition to defend. And that kind of left Mark Ludden at times with Glenn McCauley a little bit exposed, but more so on the other side with James Duna. You rightly said three or four occasions in the first half where he tested Tiger, had attempts on goal, and there were warning shots that weren't really heeded. You know, the goal came just around 24 minutes you know, and it was an excellent goal and, and Atlome a good value going in at halftime for the lead. I think the introduction of Jack Lynch and, and Dean George on 60 minutes definitely changed the shape and helped Treaty a lot. They looked a lot more fluent at that stage. Um, but where was the goal going to come from? Callum McNamara had a good header saved by Schlingerman. That was a good chance. And and you rightly said, Kieran Hanlon follows up Willie Armshaw's um, shot on, on 72 minutes. Schlingerman will be disappointed to spill that Adrian for me. He definitely will. Kieran Hanlon, very, very quick out of the blocks over, over kind of 10 yards, got there first. 
it was a definite penalty and, it, and he tucked it away. And I suppose from there on in, then it was all treaty. They could have sneaked it at the end and O'Donnell had a header. They could have won it for him. But I suppose, look, if they were to take all three points, it would have been very, very harsh on that loan. Um, but they got the point they needed, you know, and it was important in front of the big crowd that was there, Adrian, you know, to send them home happy and, and to keep that kind of momentum going. Yeah, Noel, I mentioned uh, Kieran Hanlon, and Jason obviously mentioned he was clever to win the penalty. Uh, I spoke to him after the game, and he was obviously delighted to score the penalty, and he has been honest on a couple of occasions when he has spoken to me about what happened at the start of the season, and he did mention the other night that he wasn't actually going to be signed by Tommy originally when they returned. Um, that changed uh, within a couple of days, and I suppose scoring the goal that secures the playoff place is about as good as a a fairy tale ending you can get in, in the League of Ireland, especially for him, anyway. Yeah, certainly. Look, he's he's turned himself around. In fairness, we've said it. I mean, physically wise, you know, you can see the transformation in him. Um, Jason has been, you know, uh, a champion of his cause, and you know, and he's been right on many occasion because he certainly was important to them on Friday night and in other games as well. The way they set up. He's often there on his own, plowing alone furrow, um, which isn't that easy. But, you know, you can see that he makes the opposition centre halves a bit um, uncomfortable all the time because he's such a physical guy. And I think that bit of honesty, you know, we, we've actually touched on that here before about him, is really, really um, refreshing. And the things that he says, he actually speaks from the heart in terms of his desire to play senior soccer again and what it means to him. And, you know, I went back a while ago and, you know, and I spoke about the the honesty and sincerity that you need in a club. And that's just another example of it. Yeah, certainly. And Jason, from from one player like uh, Kieran Hanlon, who had came in with very little expectation from from maybe people in the League of Ireland and supporters, uh, to another player maybe where he's had a really disappointing season in Joel Custrain. And it was absolutely summed up the other night by the fact that he was replaced in the first half with an injury. I know we've discussed it a few times before, but I suppose it's like total opposite maybe to, to the way Kieran Hanlon's season has went, I suppose. Yeah, it's about season opportunities, really, Adrian, at this level. And Joel has had a couple of opportunities at this level now, and I hate to say it, but he hasn't really taken them. Injuries haven't helped him. So you'd kind of wonder, you know, how he dealt with, I suppose, the quick turnaround of games and, and how fit he was coming in, because I think it's muscle injuries, really, that have hampered him over, over the season, hamstrings and and quads and calves and, and, and you know, they can be rectified, Adrian, with the correct rest and, and Tommy did rest him. But look, we've said it a couple of times, you look at goals and assists, he hasn't returned enough for me, Adrian. He certainly hasn't. He has ability, there's no doubt, but he hasn't produced it and, and I kind of smiled a couple of times and no one said it. He missed a lot of away games during the season as well, you know, which, which is probably a stat that we might have a look at. But, yeah, look, Kieran Hanlon, really very, very good season for him. I suppose you look at his goals return and you don't want to be critical. I think it's six goals, three penalties. You'd expect more from him. But there is a lot more to his game. You know, he holds up the ball, he ties up centre-backs and and he keeps the ball far, far treaty on every opportunity. So, yeah, very mixed, I suppose. Different contrast when you look at Joel and you look at Kieran Hanlon. Yeah, definitely. And and Noel, to to go on to the, the games that 
our finished season with you've got UCD away that's a rearranged fixture that comes this Friday night and then you obviously have the, the last day of the season where we go to the bogey team in Cavantili uh, in Stradbrook there's two games there you know what way do you think Tommy will approach this because I mean do you you know you want to keep players sharp going into it but also obviously you don't want to be you know risking injuries or suspensions so so what way do you think he'll approach it would you think he'll play the strongest teams in these two games or will there be players that'll get an opportunity because he might need those players in the playoffs as well yeah I think and I think he kind of started that on um, Friday night I know his hand was forced in it but like we've talked about you well um, post train starting which was a bit of a surprise for us I suppose Shane Gearns was back as well, who obviously hasn't played for a few months. He's got 90 minutes under his belt. And, um, you know, he'll probably do something similar. He brought on Dean George as well, a guy that we haven't seen much of and who could be very pivotal um, in, the, in, in the next month. So you might see starts for someone like Dean George, I'd say, maybe Conor Melody as well, um, if he's fit. You know, I think he will make a couple of changes now in, in the next two games, maybe start maybe two or three different, just keep it the, the spine of the team sound and maybe look at guys and say, well, you need a game or you need an hour and just keep guys ticking over. That's what it's all about now. Just keep uh, ticking over, keep them fresh. You can take these games for granted because it's it's a mindset. You know, we've often spoken here about your mindset and the momentum and they certainly have a bit of momentum now going into this. You know, I think that, you know, of all the teams in it, they're going to have the most momentum because, you know, the other teams in it, there was an expectation of them, you know, to make it anyway, but certainly no expectation on treaty and everything from now on is a bonus. And it's 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 a great mindset to have. So, you know, you'd like to be going into that first playoff game with maybe 15 or 16 guys that have played a nice bit of football over the previous two or three weeks and that you've seen them playing well. And when you look to your bench, if you need to make a change, that you can say, yeah, listen, you did well there the week before last for an hour. I've no issue putting you on the pitch. And I'm, I'm sure that that's what Tommy is going to try and do over the next couple of games. Yeah, and from what I'm led to believe, actually, I think Conor Melody had a late injury. He was, I think he might have been due to start uh, the game Friday night, uh, but probably have to get that fully confirmed. But yeah, you're right, Noel, I suppose you're, you will need uh, options, plenty of options in, in all areas. Uh, Jason, we mentioned there about the expectations that the likes of Galway and UCD would have probably had, to be fair, and Bray definitely, to, to get to the playoffs. That brings me to the, to the next topic, I suppose. And, and I asked Tommy, and Tommy said they'll fear no one. Kieran Hanlon said they'll fear no one regardless. But I suppose, from, from our own opinion, it looks like it's going to obviously be one of UCD and Galway, depending on where, where they finish for that two-legged affair. I know from my own opinion, I'd probably prefer to avoid a Galway team in a two-legged affair. You'd nearly prefer to play them over, over one leg. But what's your own opinion on that? Well, I, I suppose I'd echo what Tommy and, and Kieran Hamlin said, really, Adrian. You know, you look at the results versus Galway, two draws and a defeat, and, and the defeat was 1-0. So... Not really the fear there. We know what you're going to get from Galway. <clears throat> Very disciplined in defence and hard to break down. Look at the games versus UCD, a defeat and a win. So again, nothing to fear, you know. And, and I suppose, look, if, if you want to go a step further and, and look who you're going to be facing from the Premier end, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. But yeah. Galway and UCD, I wouldn't have any fears, Adrian. I really wouldn't. You know, Treaty's season has been built on that defensive solidity that's plain to see for everybody it's only Galway and Shelburne with fewer goals conceded all season and their full-time outfit so again that's a testament to, to the work that Tommy does with the players but not to fear Adrian you know it's overachieving as it stands so 
just go and enjoy it would be would be my advice to Tommy and the players. Yeah, hopefully that will will be the case, and and maybe you'd never know it might be prolonged. And if that is the case, Noel, uh, the the team from the Premier, as Jason touched upon, it, it is fair to say it it's probably the toughest challenge that a team from the first division will have faced, no matter who it is that is in that playoff race, because there's form in, in all those teams. There's not a team that's maybe cut adrift and, and losing every week, you know, like, like there has been in the past. And there's only four points separating Waterford, uh, Finn Harps, Dundalk and Andrada as well. And that division as a whole is so tight because I think between Derry and Fort and, and Waterford, there's only like nine or 10 points as well. It's, it's incredible, really. You know, it, it's going to be extremely difficult for, for any team. Um, I know you said earlier on when we talked about this, that you thought Drogheda might still be the one that gets dragged into that playoff position. Are you still have that opinion now, Noel, uh, a few weeks later? I am, and I think that like they've got closer to it than they were when I said it first. You know, I think they were eight or nine points clear of it when, you know, when I first mentioned it, but I was looking at the form of the teams now. To be honest with you, I didn't think that that Dundalk would go as bad as they did over a period of time, but they certainly seem to have uh, turned the corner. I hope they don't regret that defeat that they had to Longford, you know, which, you know, everyone, every team in the league basically is beating and it was a real shock to see them lose 2 to Longford a few weeks ago. But the way they've bounced back, you know, and like they've beaten Shamrock Rovers in the last couple of weeks as well. So, you know, you think that they'd be good enough to uh, to get out of it. I see Waterford 1-4-1 against Harps, but it was 2-1 going into injury time, and I'm sure that Harps threw the kitchen sink at him to get a draw and were probably caught on, on the counter-attack. I still feel that, uh, that it's going to be Drata that are going to be there, but I think you're right. Uh, whoever is going to be there is going to be a really, really daunting catch for whichever first division team, and it looks to me that it, it'll certainly be as tough a tough an ask as, as any first division side has ever had to face in terms of a, a playoff game with a, a premier side. Yeah, and I know when we had this discussion, Jason, you were firmly in the ballpark that we might have the, the horror of Finn Harps in the playoffs again, uh, which we know we know too well uh, doesn't end well a lot of the time. Are you still of that opinion, Jason, that Finn Harps might be the, the side that will succumb to, to be back in the playoffs again? Yeah, I just think with that prediction, Adrian, but there's going to be a few more twists and turns before that season ends. You know, there's big games coming up. You look at Dundalk, they've Waterford and Longford to play, Finn Harps of Drogheda to play, they've Longford to play as well, you know, so there's there's points up for grabs. Finn Harps, in fairness to them, two defeats in five, you know, but they're they're only a point ahead of Waterford now on the same games. They've a game in hand over, over Dundalk. So as I said, there's a lot of work to be done yet in the in the final series of of the Premier League games. But I stick with Finn Harps, but it, whether it's them or Waterford. Or even draw that's going to be very, very difficult for, for the first division team to overturn them. Yeah, it certainly will. And it brings us on to uh, a game that's been played this week, actually. The Irish under-19s uh, women's side, Noel, are playing, starting their qualification campaign against England at the Max Field. It's it played a few games here in Limerick, which is brilliant, obviously, for Limerick in that there's uh, international games going on. You know, it's been... been something we haven't seen very often of at all. Uh, a great opportunity in one way. And obviously, it's, they, there's a Limerick twist in some ways in that Dave Connell is the manager and we know that Dave Connell actually managed Limerick and, and played for Limerick in the in the 90s as well. I suppose, would, would you have had much dealings with Dave during his time with, in Limerick, Noel? Um, and obviously, again, a brilliant uh, 
time for to see the Irish under-19s play at Maxfield too? Yeah, I would have been. I got to know him very well while he was in Limerick, uh, in fairness, and I used to meet him a couple of days a week. Obviously, I was the uh, U2 manager at the time, and um, I gave him a good dig out. He was a very, very sound guy, um, a real football guy. He's one of the guys, actually, that I always said, uh, Noel King, he played under Noel King in Shamrock Rovers, and Noel has been very loyal to that group as well. You know, there's a lot of them that have, you know, got going in terms of jobs, uh, within the FEI and Dave was one of those and he said, you know, brilliant success. I know he had great success with the under-17s a couple of years ago and uh, he'd be a real a real good guy to have around for uh, for um, an Irish international setup. Yeah, certainly. And, and Jason, I know that you certainly know uh, Dave quite well as well. Um, I suppose it's, it's said to know it's a brilliant uh, opportunity to see uh, the Irish under-19s. We have Limerick interest, obviously. We have uh, and, and Ballangarry native, Nicole McNamara. You have Jenna Slattery there too. And obviously, as I said, uh, the interest with uh, Dave being involved as well with, with his uh, Limerick connection. So I suppose, you know, you'd be hoping for a decent crowd to, to go and support the Irish under-19s on Wednesday. You definitely would, Adrian. You know, you rightly said, I know Dave very well. He managed me 98-99 season with Limerick. Um, and, and obviously a colleague of mine now in the FEI saw someone of great respect for, great knowledge of the game and a, and a fantastic playing career behind him as well. Yeah, you quite rightly mentioned Nicole McNamara, an excellent player, very, very young and, and playing first team National League with, with Galway at present, learning from the likes of, of Savannah McCarthy up there. Jenna Slattery is someone very, very familiar with, came up through the ranks with Fairview and has picked up a lot of caps recently and is certainly one for the future as well. But what it does, Adrian, I feel, is it gives people the opportunity to come out and see the standard. We see on social media, girls getting capped and, and playing for the international team. But for people in the Midwest region, it's a chance to come out and see what's required, really, to play at this level because the girls, I suppose, don't get enough credit for the talent that they have. So that's the big thing for me, Adrian. It gives people the opportunity to see what's required to play at this level and, and Nicole McNamara and Jenna Slattery in particular have plenty of ability and, and plenty of potential. So really looking forward to the games and, and the fact that it's against England as well. The first one is just adds that little bit extra because we love a game against England, don't we? Oh, it always does add that extra bit of spice. Uh, speaking of spice, I know that Dave was the manager of your team in the, the famous Battle of Belfield which I, I probably shouldn't want to bring up because of one of my own relations involvement in that sending off up in, in Belfield too. But uh, I, when I was speaking to Anthony Tobin not so long ago, Jason, he actually put Dave as one of the, the best managers he had. And I know that that, that might be easy for Anthony to say because he was at his, probably his highest level at that season with, with Limerick as well. Um, would you rate your, your time under Dave uh, quite highly as well? I suppose you judge a manager on his results, Adrian, and, and the results they've got that season were similar to Tommy, I suppose, this season hugely overachieved with, with nearly an all-local side, so very hard to criticise Dave. I think that was his first managerial position, so he was learning um, the ropes and he had a very lively group, we'll say, including myself at that age, so he's probably getting a lot of experience from it, but yeah, fantastic manager and and a great knowledge of the game. I suppose, what, what's your own recollection of that season, Noel, from, from going to Ratban? I know that there was a playoff defeat in the end that they were disappointed with, but it but it did seem like a, a very good season from, as I said, almost a, a whole local side at the time. 
Yeah, well, listen, that that was the bit that impressed me the most. It was always something that I was very strong about. It was the reason why I got involved with the start because, you know, I wanted to see more local players playing for Limerick. I felt that there was local guys good enough to play and they weren't getting a chance. And um, I really enjoyed those games above and above and Rapan. And, you know, people would criticise it and that, but, you know, the opposition certainly didn't like coming there. And from that point of view, I, w- I was always very fond of it because, you know, if if... If they're not feeling good about themselves before the game starts and you can get after a team, well, then it certainly gives you a great chance to get results. And it was good. And it was there was a really good, hardcore group of people that were genuine supporters of Limerick as well up there. And they would have been there through thick and thin. And uh, I certainly remember those days and I really enjoyed those matches. Yeah, and on to local circles, the, the junior scene, Jason, there's a huge weekend coming up now in the junior scene. There's two matches in the Premier Division, you've got Fairview hosting Balnanti on the Saturday evening, and then you have the rearranged fixture between Pike and Anacotti. I mean, so much has happened in the two fixtures before already uh, between Pike and Anacotti. Uh, Anacotti are coming into this game feeling quite aggrieved by certain decisions that went against them in the past uh, at the venue. Uh, firstly, I suppose, to concentrate on Fairview and, and Balnanti. It's been a while since we've seen league action, I suppose, you know, between FAI, uh, Munster Junior Cup, which has really been rattled off in the last few weeks. But you'd imagine Fairview at home will be desperate to, to win and keep track with Pike and Ancotti. But in saying that, Balnanti will as well, considering you're kind of cut adrift uh, if, you, if you lose this for a while. Yeah, it's a massive game. Two very big games, Adrian, you know, and... And I said it a couple of times about the junior top six and bottom six. Them four teams in particular are nailed on to be in that top six and, and they'll kind of fight it out, I suppose, for the title. Very difficult for the other clubs to get near them, you know, with facilities and, and resources available to them top four clubs. So it's going to be very interesting games, I suppose. Balnanti have already lost two in the league, so they can't afford to lose another one. Fairview lost one in the league already as well, so... If you consider that there might be a winner in the Pike and Ashling game, they could possibly be cut adrift, Adrian. We know with the top six, bottom six split that everyone will play each other again twice. So there is opportunities to get it back. But you don't want to be losing these big games because it's unlikely that these top four teams are going to lose out to, to any of the bottom teams or, or even regional, I suppose, and Nina look nailed for that top six as well. So very, very interesting games if I was... I suppose if you're looking for predictions, it's hard to see past Fairview. It really is. They're getting stronger as the weeks go by. Jane Duggan is kind of coming accustomed now to, to junior football. And people might find that a little bit strange, but there is a transition period from League of Ireland to junior. It can be very, very different at times. But he's got some very, very good players around him. Balnanti have a very, very good squad. There's no doubt about that. But a couple of times I've seen him, it just came up a little bit short. And... I don't know, Jason Hughes is getting married. If he hasn't done already, it's it's around this time. And I'd like to give my congratulations to Jason and his wife. But if he's missing, he could be a big miss for Belnanti as well. So I'd go for a fair view winning that one, Adrian. And and as you know, over the last couple of weeks, I've been very impressed with Pike Rovers. I saw Robbie Williams playing last weekend for them and, and Aaron Murphy's first game for them. Resulted in two goals for him in a, in a more comfortable than expected win over Kuna in the FEI. So they're very, very strong as well. And I just think they'll have a bit too much for, for Ashigan and Cuddy. Yeah, 